You're listening to the Feral Ministries podcast. Today, my guest is Carlos Fernandez, a former lifelong Christian and worship leader. He has an interesting perspective because he was working in a church eight months ago. The struggles of starting to deconstruct your beliefs are a little stale to me now. It's been over five years since I left the church. So hearing him talk about his experience refreshes my appreciation for what so many of us go through and how confusing and painful that first step can be. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Carlos and I have known each other for how long now? Like maybe a month. month You reached out to me and... um, I was just so glad to meet you and and hear from you. So I'm I'm so glad that we can do this today. Do you want to kind of just like briefly introduce yourself and talk a little bit about um I, I know some of your past in, in the church. You grew up in the evangelical space um and in the Dominican church, right? Kind of that yeah. space as well. It's so funny hearing it referred to as the Dominican church. It's like what do you I call think, it? <laughs> well, I mean it Dominicans to me sounds like um something like like it sounds religious, like the Dominican I don't Yeah, know. it sounds like a denomination. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I was saying it sounds funny. Um it was actually kind of multicultural, but all Hispanic. <laughs> Yeah. They believe yeah, like okay. we we believed we were like a global church but it's like all Spanish speaking people. So what are the big um, differences between like the Hispanic church space and the lily white evangelical American church space? So I remember thinking about this a lot while I was in it. Um and it's I think about it differently now. Um but there's just sort of like this cultural like subconscious thing that happens with how people express themselves in church, especially in moments of like high emotion, um, okay. or as they would call it, like the the moving of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And there's a lot of overlap between um, Hispanic, especially like Caribbean Hispanic people and, and Black people. So like, mm. think of like, like a Southern Black church, but in Spanish. And like when people speak in tongues, it, it can suddenly get really Afro-Latino. Okay. <laughs> like like the tongues to me sound like like if it came from Africa or something. It's yeah. it's super weird. It's like the way that people behave, the way that people like get their express yeah. themselves is very similar. I wonder why that is. Is there well, a huge I mean, crossover culturally? There is. There is. Okay. Um, um most Dominicans are 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 black and whites. They're Mariah Carey's. They're like they're they're both yeah. um uh, <laughs> Yeah, like people, a lot of people Mariah think Mariah Carey. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's like they're blacks and whites, you know. Um, yeah. A lot of people think of Dominicans as being like like black people, like like um like Big Papi from like you know Red Sox, whatever. Yeah. But like uh, the the majority of, of Hispanics are are mixed. Um, it's actually a, a big part of like Dominican culture to like hate on your blackness and like and, mm. and look at look for your roots in like Spain and forget about the African side. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. A lot of that's changing now with like young people. Um, but, um, even like the term Afro Latino, like a lot of Dominicans will say, ah, there's like this memes, like I know black, I know black. It's like the dude could be like black, black, blackity black. Okay. Okay. And it's like, you're black. Um, but, um, 
you've had both experiences, right? Because you worked in both sort of settings. So what was there a big culture shock moving to sort of, oh, I guess like a whiter, and maybe that's not the correct term to use, but no, like, you know, a, a more whitewashed, yeah, evangelical church so culture. It was, it was actually, so I grew up here. You can't see, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm wearing a Jersey City hat. Um, I yeah. grew up in Jersey City, um, one of the most, um, and at many times in history, the most diverse city in the country. Um, we're always like on those lists, like like most diverse cities, whatever. Um, yeah. And I that's what I grew up around. I actually grew up in like um, I, I went to um uh, like a famously what do you call that um, uh, affirmative action school where they like they made sure they had an mm. X amount of people from it. Like I grew up around everybody and everything. Yeah. And and the church that I um grew up in, you know, being super Hispanic, there was a lot of like undocumented people and like. It was inevitably in many ways um, progressive in some ways, you know, like um, we would literally pr pray in church for people to like get away with um, being undocumented. Like that was like a common testimony. It's like, oh, I I, may, I got the job that I, I shouldn't have because it's illegal. Um, wow, and they would okay. like testify about this thing. Yeah. Um, so that's what I thought of as what Christianity was like, because that's what I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And even like while I was in college, I went to another Dominican <laughs> The Dominican church when I was in college, I, I went away to Boston. And um, later on, I was like, I want to um, devote myself fully to ministry. And um, the only places that I saw that would hire somebody full time to to, to do ministry were like the mega churches. Yeah. Um, my wife and I started attending a church in northern New Jersey. And within like six months, I was on full time staff. With um, like what qualifications? Probably none, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, none. besides having grown up in the church. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it, when you, if you can like talk the talk, they they they're like, okay, he's 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 one of us, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And you're charismatic enough that I feel like it'd be easy for you to like rise in the ranks. Like my youth pastors growing up. I could like almost hear their only two firing neurons like bumping together. Like there was just <laughs> nothing going on upstairs. No hate to them, but you know, like they were not qualified to be speaking <laughs> to young people in like their formative years. But yeah. So what, what was your first position at that church? Um, I actually came in and I was, um, uh, I, I had, I dual weld um, to part-times to add up mm. to a full-time. So I was on the creative team. So like um, graphic design and video and all that stuff. And on the worship team as a worship leader at one of the campuses. So I mm -hmm. was the, the head worship director, whatever, at one of their, at the time, four campuses. Now they're like seven or eight or whatever. Okay. One thing that, and it's funny that you say that, like I actually got very close to, to like the core leadership, um, structure because, um, uh, I designed the sermons. I did all the visuals and anything that when you, you saw, say designed, I, what do you mean? So they did Wrote? like big, big, no, 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 not, not like architect. I mean, like, like, okay, he's ghostwriting his pastor's <laughs> sermons. <laughs> wow. No, like, like the, the visual design. <laughs> okay, so like, got it. um, they did like the big LED walls and the, you know, it's one of these churches with smoke machines, right? Sure. And, sure. And, um, uh, so the way that they that they that they still do their sermons is the pastor preached from a manuscript, like a word for word script, which is is crazy to me. Like we, I grew up in churches where everything was like super um, uh, improvised and just kind of yeah. talk off the cuff, whatever. But this was not like that. So um, he would present his sermon word for word to like a small committee, and we would like um, nitpick every single sentence. And be like, you got to change that joke. It's not hidden. This is racist. This is sexist. Blah, so blah, blah. he would 
run by his sermons to you guys, and you would sort of vet either whether they were entertaining enough or appropriate. Yeah, we would literally delete whole pages. It's like, this is boring. Get it out of here. So when he's reading, is he just like, his eyes are locked on a script the whole Dude, time? This guy, I don't even know how he d- does what he, he, that's one thing that I was like, man, that's that's a talent. He He spoke as if he was not reading. I think he would memorize it by the time we would get mm. there. And this is 15 pages. This is yeah. this is a 40 minute speech. Can I tell you him. why? Why? Because pastors, this might be a controversial take, but I'm convinced that pastors are people who really wanted to be entertainers slash actors growing up. And pastoring was I the mean, easiest way to do it. He did minor in cinema. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So he's like used to memorizing stuff. I had a I had a pastor growing up, um, pastor of like a main campus. It's sort of like a franchise church. So like there were a bunch sprinkled around the city. And he would always do the craziest shit in his sermons. Like one time he brought in a live camel. I was like, what? And Krispy Kreme donuts. And and it was it was to illustrate certain stories that you knew weren't true. Like he like there's no oh, way Krispy he Kreme, did we, the things. We did that one time, Krispy Kreme donuts. Krispy Kreme. It's a hit, right? Like everybody <laughs> leaves feeling good about themselves. Everybody's warm and fuzzy. But he brought in a camel to illustrate, I think it was like the way that we store the Holy Spirit in us, like the way that a camel stores water. And he was talking about it. And I was like, okay, like it's a little bit of a stretch. And and then a live camel walks in the back door and I'm like, what, what's your budget, right? Like, where are you finding a, a live camel in Flowery Branch, Georgia? It's just it, it's, insane. It's so funny because like we, you know, we're, we're serving this community in Northern New Jersey where Christianity is not, here in the same way that it exists in like the Bible Belt, right? Sure. Like there isn't like um churches with 40,000 people. There's no Joel Osteen's up here, you know, there's none of that. Okay. So like um we would kind of like snarkily joke about the churches that did the camel thing. Yeah. And I knew that it was just a matter of time till our budget got there. <laughs> right. Like the it's only like, reason they're like, so snarky yeah. about it is because they can't afford it yet. Exactly. <laughs> I remember he would always bring up this joke about like um uh he saw one time this this pastor brought on a tank. <laughs> like literally came. He he joked that well, this is a true story. A pastor at some mega church um wanted to like thank his staff and the congregation. So he came in on a tank. I like just the tank that to... you like beep beep drive. No, 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 no. Yeah, like like a not beep beep, more like um boom, well, that's boom, just my way of people. saying it's a vehicle. <laughs> beep beep. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> just imagine a tank honking a horn. Beep, beep. <laughs> With like the dice hanging in the front, like <laughs> <laughs> like literally came in on a tank and and full garb too. So like the, the camo. What was stuff. the what was the message? The pun. The pun of what? <laughs> I just wanted to thank everyone for it something i don't know god it's a stretch it's always such a stretch it's like pastors at this point are are comics who couldn't make it every clip that i see on tiktok of pastors is them saying like uh, talking about like like tinder or something really relevant and trying to make sort of jokes about it that are really mediocre and just do not land but then they tie in (laughs) scripture with it it's insane okay speaking of mega churches and this is sort of a current issue I don't know if it'll still be the buzz when this releases, but I did want to talk about the Matt Chandler stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, what's, scandal. What's the story? What's, what's going on? Did you hear about any of the stuff with... Uh, so Matt Chandler is a Texas megachurch pastor and Christian celebrity, and he stepped down from his position in August over supposedly a platonic 
text message exchange with a female congregant. Does this that sounds ring any like, bells? That sounds like like so many stories. Like there's been a thousand of these. <laughs> well, here's the difference though. He said that it was platonic. It was a it was an exchange over Instagram where they were just a little bit too friendly, but it wasn't sexual or romantic, but it was still convicting enough that he felt that he had to get on the platform and and uh, tell the elders and tell his congregation that he was going to take a hiatus. So it's like weird because he said like, oh, it wasn't sexual, yet they wouldn't release the, the messages. So it was just very vague <laughs> and like confusing. But he recently got his um, platform back this this week. And um, that's weird. There's just been a lot of confusion over like the actual error that he made considering it wasn't romantic or sexual, but it, he still felt obligated to come clean about it. And that's been making me think about this may be a stretch, but it, it kind of ties back to purity culture for me. Like you couldn't even have a platonic conversation with another yeah. woman without having to get up on your platform and confess. I remember when my wife and I were dating at the church that she, she, she had um, attended a, a fundamentalist church. They they wouldn't say that they're fundamentalists if you talk to them today, but they totally are. Like yeah. we weren't allowed to sit next to each other in church, like yeah. in front of like hundreds of people. Like, yeah. What, what's gonna happen? She's gonna get pregnant, like me sitting next to her. Right. But, um, yeah, we yeah, that that church is they're still to this day, like they're they're like super Trumpy. <laughs> yeah. But um, which is rare, it's actually rare where I'm from. Um, you know, I where, where I live, it's it's not like that at all. Um, like when a so lot of times churches I, that are more progressive politically. So I wouldn't say that the church or the doctrine is progressive. I would say that the people who attend are Democrats. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's or, very or rare a, in my area. Not that the Democrats, but like there's a higher concentration of Democrats at the churches where I'm, where I live than probably where you live. Okay. Um, but even then they'd still be the minority because, um, like in, in northern New Jersey, where I'm from, like there's there's actually not that many um, Republicans. Like Republican, like it's it's the most densely densely populated area in in the country. So mm -hmm. like wherever there's cities, there's no Republicans usually. Yeah. Um. And so like the very few that are will congregate at these churches. So if you're looking for those people, that's where you'll find them. And they're going hot and heavy there. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Well, I just thought that scandal was really interesting because it it it's just. Something like that screams, I see women as objects, right? Like if you can't have a conversation, did you feel like you couldn't have uh, friendships when you were really in the church with women? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think back. It was... It hasn't been that long for you, has it? I mean, I've been married 10 years. I like turned that part of my brain off. Well... You know? No, I don't even mean like when you're married. Oh, oh, oh. Mm. Do you feel like you oh, yeah, can well, so I'll have give you friendly... some examples. Okay. So um, when I was on staff, there was this rule that like you could never be alone in any room with a female ever or, or just in general. Was Mike Pence your pastor? <laughs> I um, All of the doors, <laughs> all of the doors had, um, they cut out holes on them and put no, a window they didn't. on them. They, they totally did so all the doors had like a, a piece of glass you could look in and there was what did one... they think you were going to be boning someone in like a <laughs> in like a broom closet um i mean hey, yeah, this, yeah. this was like when 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 I, I actually came in when we were building this stuff and like um a lot of the me too stuff was happening around that time and it was just sort of like um 
So it was more a liability to like protect their asses. Yeah. Yes. Um, and also things like, you know, we're at this thing and it's like, oh, it's time to it's time to go home. It's late. Like, don't give a girl a ride home. Like that was like a rule. Like you can't be alone in a car with a girl ever. Mm-hmm. And, and and it goes against a lot of the 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 usual thing that I've seen, with, especially when it comes to people who have deconstructed. Like I didn't grow up in like a repressive or at least I didn't feel like it was a repressive like um, culture. I'm sure it was to girls. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. but like I, it, I i didn't feel that way about myself and like my experience but aren't aren't men i mean it it sort of feels i don't know if repressed is the word but unjust to make men feel constantly like they are predators yeah <laughs> right you know, it's i funny. mean i'm i'm still like in that process with like deconstruction and stuff and i still i'll i'll think back at, at certain things that i think or like um, viewpoints or whatever that I'm like oh I don't I don't have to think this way you know like yeah. it's like the whole concept of like your your body's a temple and it's just like this this, this, this disposable vessel and like you're just like a, a, a meat vehicle for like your spirit and your and your mm. body is trash like I never I never thought of like you know listen to your body like the 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 term even those words listen to your body was something that we were like taught against it's like do not listen to your body like your body right. is your enemy because human desires are evil. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. um, something like horniness or <laughs> or mm-hmm. thirst yeah, yeah. was like yeah. evil, and yeah. um, you know I have I have toddlers and and I I have no idea what I'm gonna teach them. I'm just gonna figure it out as I go along and read as much as I can and talk to therapists and whatever because I don't know how to raise them in a way that they don't hate their bodies. I mean, I have a son yeah. and a daughter. Um, and you don't hate their bodies in, in a way that's, I mean, there's no healthy way of, of hating your body, but I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be like that kind of parent. And, um, um, there's a lot of unlearn, unlearning I have to do. Yeah. And you got to give yourself grace. Like I, I talk to a lot of parents who are deconstructing and it's really interesting how that manifests in their, in their relationship with their kids. And I just think the fact that you are able to be open enough to reevaluate your, you know, the paradigm, the way that you see the world is already such a huge testament to your character that your kids are going to see that vulnerability. And even if you make mistakes along the way, they're going to say, okay, well, dad can adjust. Like that's teaching them that they, they can make mistakes and learn and grow. And I think, I don't know, it's so hard deconstructing as a parent. Like how has that affected your relationship uh, with your wife and your kids, like as a partner and a parent? It's funny, like the past year or so, um, my wife and I, I think we're just kind of like processing independently from each other because it's like, I don't want to go somewhere that she's not willing to follow and vice versa. So like sometimes we'll have these moments where we actually have been doing this thing where it's like, we're not going to watch TV tonight. We're not going to like put the kids down and immediately just veg out for hours. We're going to talk like we like try Mm. to be intentional about this. And we'll just look at each other and be like, did you like are you, am I, you know, or it's like, it's like, I don't believe in this anymore. Are you in the same place? And it's, it's like, we're both afraid to say it out loud. Right. Um, and there's just like a, like a guilt and sort of like a shame behind it because it's like, you're conditioned to think that, you know, one thing that Christians love saying is like, um, oh, doubts are welcome. It's like, no, they're not. They're yeah, absolutely not. Like, And it's hard with a partner too, because if you accelerate a little bit faster than mm-hmm. maybe they are comfortable with, it's almost like, is our trust in jeopardy? You yeah. know, like, because 
those, those th- that that dogma and those that conditioning is so ingrained in you mm-hmm. that you don't want to say i mean there are some issues right like okay so how do we feel about abortion like you mm-hmm. there can be some judgment around the way that that's answered and but you also have to allow your partner space to grow because we're never going to be the same people that we were 10 years ago right yeah. like our beliefs are constantly evolving So did you come out of it in tandem with your wife, like together, um, the deconstruction process? We actually didn't realize that it was happening at the same time. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's sort of weird. So long story short, I ended up getting fired from this mega church and, Mm um, uh, the months leading up to that point, um, it was, it was COVID time. So like, um, my wife was already just like not churching for like a year at that point or almost a year because it was, it was near the end of 2020. And that whole time her faith was kind of like just withering or whatever. And as soon as we, as soon as I, I, I got fired, I was like, okay, we're not going here anymore. <laughs> and yeah. I immediately, like I did the thing that people do like the rebound, you know, immediately, like I can't, I can't be single. I got to find a church immediately. And, mm-hmm. and I hopped on the first church I could find. And so we, I was attending this, this church and my wife just wasn't coming with me. She's like, I've, I've already gone a year, like without going to church. I'm not going to start going to this one either. And it was just like annoying too, with like kids, whatever. And yeah. so like a, a full, almost a year happened where I was essentially attending this church by myself and the whole time. And mind you, this is another church where I immediately like got into serving <laughs> like, yeah. like a couple of weeks in, I was already serving and I was like already- muscle memory volunteerism. <laughs> And I got, I actually ended up recording like a live album with them. Like it was this whole thing. And um, uh, that whole year, I remember playing guitar, just like numb and Mm. being like, what, what, what happened? What, what's, what changed? And I remember toying with the idea. I still get like shame about this and I know I shouldn't, but I still get this thing where I'm like, what if this is all fake? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like let's let's do this experiment just for today just this sunday where i'm gonna i'm gonna stand up there and I'm look around and think about what would it take for this to happen with this all being fake hmm. and i remember um thinking what about a powerful the thing to let yourself go there though yeah like, and that it's, is terrifying yeah yeah especially i mean I, I grew up in the faith this is something that like i, I inherited it basically my my, my mom was a, a founding member of the church that i grew up in before i was born so there was no like i never converted like i was in it this is the way my brain is wired you know yeah so like i'm up there and i'm just thinking about all those sundays where, where i was a worship leader at the, at the mega church and i just wasn't feeling it that week and i would just like turn it on <laughs> that yeah. thing where you can like manipulate hundreds of people into crying because <laughs> you're so used to it right like you have to put on a little bit of a mask to get in front of people anyways yeah. and so i i just thought about like what it took and and i realized it doesn't take much yeah like um you know the belief was that um heaven and earth needed to move and we were like interacting with the angels and with like you know world creating forces you know yeah. and like and and i realized that in order to get people to, to scream and cry and jump up and down and whatever. It, it just took, you know, certain chords. <laughs> yeah. I've been talking about that recently, like the, the level of emotional manipulation that's required to get people to believe in a Holy Spirit experience isn't mm. even that much, you know, it really doesn't even take that much. And that's just the way that the human mind works. We are desperate for magic as humans. And so, 
Yeah. I I had moments like that as well, where I would be in a crowd of people worshiping with my hands up and the tears are rolling. And, you know, I'm like, ah, and, and I'm looking around for a second and just disassociating. Like, what are we doing here? You know, like looking around and just being like, kind of like you, like, what would it take for this to all of this to be a lie and to be not be true? And that's not to say that I didn't take things away from that experience that I still find positive. I'm sure you can probably relate to, yeah. you know, that there's some great things that came from it, but the emotional manipulation is something that I'm still reckoning with. So all of that being said, how are you doing right now? Like, what is this deconstruction journey feeling like to you right now? Like what's feeling really heavy? What's starting to feel a little bit lighter? Just um, being okay with, um, I, I actually listened to your podcast where somebody was talking about being a nothingist. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like nothingism is something like the, the labellessness is something that it's like, what am I replacing this with? And like, when mm. I deconstruct this stack of Legos, what am I building after the fact? It's like, it doesn't mm. have to be anything. And I've slowly, um, I've been approaching like just being okay with it being nothing. You know, one thing that I have been thinking about though is as as I was, as we were just talking about that, the music thing, there is like a therapeutic element to um, singing songs every week and having a good cry, you know? And yeah. whether or not it's all based on a on on a on a big lie, <laughs> it was well, it was just nice. Yeah, I mean, it's just nice maybe to be- that moment is a connection to God. It's just it doesn't. It's not exclusive to the Christian God. Because when mm. I left, I you know was really confused when I started feeling that Holy Spirit moment it, at like a Coldplay concert, and mm. eventually I just realized, or you know, standing on a mountaintop and overlooking the Grand Canyon, like those moments can exist without being exclusive to a white man in the sky with a gray beard, you know? <laughs> so it's maybe, maybe those moments weren't fake, but maybe they're not exclusive to the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. I've, I've, is I've, that I've, hard I've, for you to wrap your mind around? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, and it sounds crazy because I think of like Christianity as being like, like an ex of mine. It's like, I deleted all the pictures, all the profile pictures on Facebook and, and all mm-hmm. the mementos and all the things and all the stuff. Like I want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not ready to, to love yet. You know, I'm just doing me right now. And don't girl. pressure yourself. <laughs> do you, man? Do you seriously? Don't take this stuff too seriously. Like give yourself space to breathe and relax and to not have to have it figured out. I'm still in that space. And because of that, I'm learning so many new ideas that are just completely broadening my mind. And I think if I had immediately jumped into like another relationship, I would have been limiting myself. Mm. So I I think that's beautiful. Um, We have 10 minutes left on this. So let's... um. Let's go ahead and jump over to the new meeting if that's okay, because I think sure. this will be like kind of a quick one, but I have I have a game prepared for you specifically. So once we jump over there, we're gonna take a quick break and then um, we'll start up my quiz. Recorded this time. <laughs> you guys, I am I am so stupid. We just did like an hour long, super amazing, valuable uh, conversation segment and I didn't record it. Um, I'm new to this <laughs> clearly and learning and growing. So please bear with me. But Carlos, it's all nice good. It, 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 got, it, it greased the wheels. And now there's there's uh, there's so much more we could talk about. 
That's true. That's true. Um, okay. So I, I gave you a quiz and we, it was basically evangelical it. culture. <laughs> yeah. You, you really did poorly. So it's kind of, I'm kind of glad that doesn't exist anymore. I, I got a 36%, which is, is a big F. And I think, and I'm, I'm going to get into why I got to defend myself. I got a 30, 36% on the, on the white church quiz. Right. And it's because I did not grow up in the white church. And like, know. you know, I, that actually, it actually has a lot to do with like my deconstruction thing. So like I, one of the things that that got me started on this journey was like, so both of my grandmothers died within like a year of each other, mm. um, maybe like three years ago at this, yeah, about three years ago, right right before um, COVID. Uh, I remember really feeling like I was losing my Dominicanness. I, I, I was born in DR, but I was, I, mean, I, I came here when I was three, you know, so I, my connection to Dominican Republic was always like my grandmothers and like my uncles and stuff who were still there and, and like just visiting people over there. But um, by the time they died, my whole family kind of moved up here and I have very, very little family. At the, I, well, I have a lot of family because a lot of extended family, but, yeah. um, I felt like I lost the reason to go. It's like, if I'm going to go to DR, I'll, I'll probably just end up going to the resort or something like a tourist and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't feel the same. And so I wanted to like connect with the parts of my Dominicanness that I hadn't before and do like research, read books, listen to music, like just go into the Dominican experience in a way that I hadn't before. Um, yeah. Cause for me, it was always familial. It wasn't like scholarly, you know, like I wasn't like reading Dominican books. So, right. so I got, I got into that. And the more I got into that, the more I realized like how much like Catholicism and Christianity in general, like, like how much it affected the Dominican experience. Like the name of the country is based on like, Sunday. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Like the 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 capital Santo Domingo literally means Holy Sunday. Like the yeah. the, the So I'm sure like going to church to you was also sort of a way of finding that that community. Yeah, yeah. Because and, everybody right like in your circle I'm assuming was like going to church. Yeah. And I also grew up in this sort of like in not of sort of mentality where it's like we're in the world we're not of the world. So oh, I totally. yeah. Yeah. So all of so, my friends were church people and everybody I connected with was church people. And yeah. Um, yeah. And my whole world was, was immersed in church. So when, when we, um, the, in the podcast that I, or the, the segment that I just lost, um, we, you, you, you mentioned that you felt like you were experiencing, like being able to go into like regular people spaces for the first time ever yeah. and comparing that to your weight loss journey and how you were able to go into finally like regular people clothing stores mm-hmm. and how that's kind of how your deconstruction feels right now. So what are some things when you bursted that bubble that felt like I'm experiencing this for the first time and was it good or bad? Man, there's so many of those. And yeah. I, 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 I've been listening a lot to uh, Phil Drysdale. He talks about like, um, oh, love him. Uh, yeah, like he talks about like deconstruction from like a stats standpoint a lot. Yeah. And when I think about just how common this thing is, and like how I'm not alone, there's a lot of people on the same journey. That that is really reassuring. But one thing that he, that he talks about is how people have multiple deconstructions throughout their life, not just like I'm leaving the faith or whatever. Yeah. Um. And I remember having a few of those moments where like. I'm becoming more progressive. I'm becoming more whatever, more aware of like, you know, where, where my roots actually came from and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And one of them was like being able to be around people who drink. Like I, I was in college and I was that guy that literally, I remember finding a shot glass on top of somebody's uh, dresser. And I was like, why do you have nail polish in this glass? 
<laughs> oh, Carlos. And they're like, I'm like, sir, that's tequila. And I'm and oh I remember being God. like, you put this in your body. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't really drink. No, no drinking. Yeah. No, I didn't even no I was partying. Baptist. So when my yeah. parents drank, I was like, you guys are going to the bad place. <laughs> I I remember one time my mom like had a beer at like a family reunion one time and I thought she was like a, she was going to hell. Like I was totally. so mad at her. <laughs> totally. So like you were introduced to all this stuff. Yeah, I remember when I was in college and I started drinking and it's kind of like the people who I think don't drink as much in high school, maybe for religious reasons. Mm sort of go crazy the moment that they deconstruct. Yeah. <laughs> I found that I never, to be I never had that rumspring of thing where you go crazy, you know, like Oh, okay, okay. So like, it's coming then. I guess. I mean, it's it, on its way. A, a lot of that stuff I feel like I've aged out of. Like I'm married, I got yeah. kids. I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, go to clubbing or whatever, but right. like if if this had happened earlier in my life, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of that stuff. Like one thing is just sort of like getting into um, appreciating like how rich and deep other worldviews are that are not biblical. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I've been watching that show, um, Rami, Rami, Rami. Um, the, it's about a, a Muslim dude. It's, he got like Emmys and stuff. It's like a, it's a, it's, the show's a big deal. It's on Hulu. And I, if I had watched the show 10 years ago, I would have been like, this is Islam. It's the devil. There's no way, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna enjoy this, mm-hmm. but watching it now, it's like, First of all, there's a lot of overlap. <laughs> like right. he has a lot in common with with Christians, but there's just like what? Oh, like the purity culture and there's there's okay, a lot of okay. that in Islam. Um yeah. and and like, you know, hating gay people and stuff, but <laughs> Right, right. But um uh there's um uh, there's this thing where it's like they have this like so sort of a beautiful way of seeing um and not not in every way. But there's there's some aspects of of like how they how they they treat other people and whatever and like that I I never would have appreciated before you know like there's right because you're kind of looking at old other cultures that are associated with different religions mm-hmm. like you can't appreciate them because deep down you're trying to change them which exactly is the evangelical exactly. mindset yeah and and even looking at the Bible like I've I'm at this place where. Um, when I started my deconstruction, I'm like, I'm deleting the Bible from my brain. Like, I want nothing to do with it. But then when I started doing this thing with other um, religions and stuff, I'm like, why isn't the Bible part of this? Like, there's, the, and this is one of the things that I we talked about in the in the lost recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like, um, being able to give yourself permission. Like, one mm-hmm. thing I never gave myself permission to do was cherry pick. It's like cherry pick was like the devil. Like, do not cherry pick. The Bible is in there. It's perfect. You take the whole thing. And oh, okay. it is what it is. But don't you feel like like inerrant literal interpretations of the Bible, Christians still cherry pick that? Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. So you were giving yourself the freedom to look at verse, look at it verse by verse. Well, we believe we weren't cherry picking. We but you, you ask yeah. any Christian, they'll say, I'm a Bible. This is a Bible based church. Like, right. What the hell does right. that even mean? Right. Um, that it's that's actually a really common term used in, in a lot of mega churches. Like this is yeah, a Bible. We said that too. Mm-hmm. This is a Bible based church. It's like, what does that mean you cherry pick different than another church? Like what does that mean exactly? It just means your interpretation is 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 different and everybody's on the same yeah. page about it. Yeah. But be, being able to give myself the permission to say, like, um this, I don't like this part. I like this. I like this part of this other book and I like that, or I don't like, you know, that's something that mm. I, I, I didn't do before. Yeah. Carlos, do you pray still? I, I do not. I remember the last time I prayed. Really? Yeah. I was, um, 
I was here in my basement. It was right over there. And I remember being like, are you listening? Who am, who am I talking to? Like, what is this? Yeah. What are you? Are you me? Like, it was one of those <laughs> prayers. And um, and that's the last time I did it. I I'm, I may do it again, but just sort of like thinking about, I guess, mm. myself. Um, I've had that so- moment too, like laying like knees on my knees in my bedroom, crying and just being like, I'm fully open right now completely open vulnerable and just waiting to hear from you please give me a sign if you exist or if you're real if you hear me and um that has been my last christian prayer but i've found that i actually can implement sort of a prayer practice in my life now that's been really fulfilling and my friends uh one of my friend jones who was on the last podcast mentioned that it's sort of like a gratitude practice for him mm. which i agree yeah. with right like there is a power in intention and in saying things out loud and i don't know i feel like because we were talking in the last episode about how um just because you believe in god doesn't mean that it has to be the christian god and mm-hmm. you were sort of uncomfortable with letting yourself like go there. So yeah. like, have you even entertained the idea that maybe there is um, a power, be it the universe or, you know, energy or love or whatever you want to call it, that's that doesn't conform to the ideals of a Christian creator? Man, I don't even know how to do that, honestly. Really? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. And um, I, I, one thing that I've been telling people is, I've been living my life as an atheist, but like carrying the the thought processes of, of an agnostic kind of, where it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm living as if there is no God and, um, man, it's, I'm still, I, again, I sound like somebody who's still processing this cause I am, yeah. but it's like, you know, I still feel like I, I don't know how to give language. Right? Like I don't have like the glossary in my mind of how to think about my spirit without thinking of it in like a strictly Christian biblical right. um, way. And, and it's something that like, I've been trying to teach myself and just learn and listen to more Gungor or whatever. Yeah. But, um, um, I, I, know, I don't have, I don't have that yet. And, um, and that's okay. Also, yeah. that's totally fine. Yeah. I, I, um, I've always been sort of just like a, a rational, logical person and, getting myself to to accept the parts of myself that I can't see is something even as a Christian even mm. in the deepest parts of it um because you know when at, as a Christian my belief was as real to me as science it's like when sure. I prayed there was a dude who's 2020 years old that's listening to me talk you yeah. know I just can't yeah, see yeah. him right now but he's there like right I thought of it as like this is not faith I remember being like the Christian faith. It's like, no, I know that I know that this I know. It's a fact, right. Um, and it's like, I've seen the Holy Spirit move. To me, it's a fact. So do you, is there any part of you that desires a spiritual practice again or implementing that in the future? Or, or are you just kind of glad to be deconstructing and you just want to keep your mind as as empty and malleable as possible? Well, as a parent, I I feel like I need to be able to do that. Like I want to be able to teach my children to to be grateful to somebody or something, you know. Mm. Uh, when I, you know, when I think about gratitude, those gratitude practices, it's like who am I being faith, uh, thankful towards? You know, mm. who am I thanking, or what am I thinking? Something that I've started that I kind of like, and I don't know if this would be something you're interested in implementing, but. Um, so my husband is Filipino. And so we, we've kind of been really interested in just learning more about Asian culture. Mm-hmm. And 
in Asian culture, specifically Japanese culture, um, whereas in America, a, a Christian family would gather around the table and join hands before they eat and say thank you to God, they say a quick uh, maybe not prayer, but message of gratitude towards the farmers, to the animals, um, to the people mm. who prepared or made the food possible. And so I've been kind of shifting my gratitude practice from it has to go to this kind of like nameless, nebulous character in the sky to how can I express gratitude to the people who are actually making my life better here yeah. on earth? Yeah. Uh, and just sort of like just being mindful of like what it took to get to where you are, you know? Yeah. Um, another thing that I grew up is like luck is ba was basically a curse word growing up. Like there is no luck. There's only the blessings of God. And oh, you're not lucky. You're there's, a, there's like a famous song. It's like, uh, I'm not lucky. I'm uh, what is it? I'm, I'm blessed or whatever. Yeah. And so just thinking about luck and is something that I, I never thought about. And but I know that I'm lucky, you know, that I am where I am. You know, I, I have literal family members that are living in po poverty. And, right. and I'm lucky to, to be in the situation that I can feed my family and buy a house and the whole thing. I think what you're thinking about also, or what you're talking about also ties into the reason why it's really hard for um, American Christians to accept the idea of privilege, right? Oh because gosh. privilege, accepting that you are privileged is also admitting that there is some sort of luck involved. And that would go against the fact that God has ordained divinely uh, where you're born, how much yep. money you make, what color coffee you're drinking this morning, mm -hmm. like all of don't, that don't stuff is started. a spiritual intervention. Th this is the bread and butter of what's been the fuel in my deconstruction. You know, like the, um, I would say like the things that I've experienced have sort of been like the trigger. They've been like what started the deconstruction, but what's mm -hmm. been keeping it moving has been th this sort of thing, you know? Being, I'm Dominican and Dominicans are, and I say this all the time, are the chef's kiss. They're, they're the connoisseurs of racism. You know, a lot of the derogatory terms that, that we have in America, um, came from Spanish, um, conquistadors and like, um, mm. like the N word, the N -word, the N word comes from the word negro. It means black in Spanish. Right. Um, so like, you know, that's uh, the Spanish and the conquistadors, they created the, um, a lot of the caste systems that we still follow today in the new world in terms of like, mm -hmm. like they like innovated modern racism. So, and these are the Do same people. Do they admit to that? Uh, I mean, it's documented. They literally wrote lists. It's well, like, a lot is... documented, but that doesn't mean they're taking responsibility, <laughs> right? Well, a lot of them are, a lot of Spaniards are still racist today. Yeah, yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> um, but Dominicans and, and people living there and people not living there, they, they, they know that a lot of this stuff birthed from, from this country, you know. Mm. We're, I think, the only, one of the only countries in the world that share an island with another country. Mm -hmm. And so, like, Dominicans look at Haitians, like how, I guess, a lot of white Texans look at Mexicans. Um, mm. And, like, there's just obvious big racist um, elements in 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 our culture sure. um and a lot of that is is motivated by by the by the church and that's something that like getting into like christian nationalism and like what's been going on in our country the past decade or so and all that, that yeah. that's something that has really been one of the the big things in 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 the way that i think and and the way that i've been trying to you know lead my family and you yeah. know teach my children it's something that like um and I also, I, it's also something that I know I can't shake, you know, like I remember growing up, um, I, I grew up in Jersey city and our next door neighbors were, were black. And I was raised with the idea that they are where they are 
um, because they don't work hard enough, the bootstraps, yes. the, the whole thing. Yeah. And um, it's like, you're, you're a student in the same school as your neighbor. Why are you, why are your grades different than theirs? And yeah. that whole thing. And that's something that like in the church, it was something that it was kind of like built into this. I remember hearing from, from family members. It's like um, Haiti is poor because they practice voodoo because they're not Christian. And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. And American Christianity and Christian nationalism is so wrapped up in capitalism. Mm -hmm. it, it It's crazy. And I, I find myself growing more socialist as I get older. And I think part of that is because I took the teachings of Jesus to heart. Like I took it seriously. Right. And and because of that, I feel like I have a lot of empathy for people. And I was just talking to my husband about this this morning. Like the disparity in America is so terrible and disturbing. And how can these churches be operating like it's not a thing? And in fact, saying, oh, by the way, it's their fault. You just have to be ignorant. Like you really have to be ignorant to not look at the way that America is and 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 see the history of it and, and put two and two together. Yeah. Um, I actually have a, I have a democratic socialist of America flag hanging in front you of my house. You told me that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's hilarious. Yeah. There's like a thin blue line flag of two doors, uh, three doors down. Yeah. And, um, and I felt like, you know, I, I, I'm, I bought a house in a town that is famously um, the last stop on the, the New York metropolitan area's white flight. <laughs> what does that mean? So like, you know, the, the white flight is like, um, white people moving away from towns where black <gasps> oh, people oh, were moving oh, into. Yeah. 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 So, um, and the way it looks like, um, uh, where I live, um, so is you move west basically away from New York City or you move east into Long Island and on the the county that I live on it's a peninsula so there's there's like a last stop like you can't go further south so okay. this was this was the last stop in the white flight so it, it <laughs> so can I can I pretend to be like an old man like you're out okay imagine that you're outside watering your lawn you've got your what is it democratic socialist the DSA flag yeah the democratic DSA socialist flag. of America okay so I'm I'm an old man passing by while you're watering your flowers okay. and when a young man <laughs> hello what, what's that what's that what's that flag you got hanging there <laughs> where do you live you live in tennessee we put american flags in our yards young man. i'm like I'm, I'm doing the thing that that um uh improv people aren't supposed to do where i'm like getting out of character this sounds like a dude from tennessee it's okay you i'll live, give you another chance you live in tennessee right is that is that, is that what a curmudgeon sounds like where you're from? i don't i don't know jersey old men so i'm sort of just like bringing my own experiences that he's got like a little bit of a walker and he's he's not all there you know okay. really gaunt so, in the cheeks so this is this this is literally what I would do. I'd be like, "Oh, are you a Christian?" Oh, yes, I am, man. I'm a Bible believing Christian. Well, Jesus, um, you know, Jesus was a socialist. <laughs> oh, now you gone done do it, boy. <laughs> you get your ass over here. I'm gonna whip you. I, I and you know, I would I this the thing that I would do is I would get He's into spanking it you now. <laughs> I'm taking it and and I'm and I'm 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 right there with him. You know, one of the one of the I'm things that. It. I, I always do is just I I have no problem getting into getting into it with with Christians yeah. about this sort of thing. Isn't that crazy though that Jesus was a socialist and somehow totally nobody was. wants to admit that? <laughs> I think a, a better way of thinking of it is Jesus was definitely not a capitalist. There's no Hell way that he no. was. Like no the, way. the basis, and this is one of the actually beautiful things I think about Christianity is the basis of what makes Christianity special is 
you do not deserve the reward. You know, it was earned for you and you yes. do not deserve it. You yes. have not earned it. You cannot That's possibly the whole earn point it. is, is yeah. you don't deserve what Jesus did, yet you want everyone around you to have to deserve the things that they need just to be humans. Yeah. Receiving without earning is the thesis statement of Christianity. Yes. And capitalism is literally the opposite of that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's, if you were to define capitalism, it's getting only things that you deserve or that you've earned. Yeah. And Christianity is the literal opposite of that. So it to me, I see it like it's so, it's the cognitive dissonance is crazy. And yeah. I mean, forget about the socioeconomic, you know, descriptors of of the Messiah. It's like you got a brown dude who was undocumented, went to Egypt to avoid the census, moved back. Like it's you it's... have to be deciding to know these <laughs> things and not accept them, right? Like very clearly, Jesus was a socialist. You know, there's a hate for sex workers, right? Like mm. Jesus was friends with the prostitutes. Yep. There's, um, you know, Jesus probably wouldn't have denied people universal health care, like just as a basic human right, no matter <laughs> what that meant for our society. Like he would want people to be able to be cared for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that was sort of like the first the the earlier chapters of of where what started my deconstruction where it's like i was having these conversations with people and the more i had them with people the more opposition i got to it and it's like is this not what christianity is and i kept being told no it's not so you stood up for that even when yeah. you were in the church okay yeah and, mm -hmm. and it's like no it's not and i remember telling myself well if it's not then i'm out <laughs> because yeah. like i i can't you know and yeah. a lot of like the latter part of my Christian faith was trying to defend Christianity to non-Christians and being like, no, we're cool. Jesus was a socialist. And then being like, dude, nobody in your church is. <laughs> and yeah. we'd be like, I am. And they're like, dude, you got to leave. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, you know, and I was reminded of you know, over and over again, spreading the gospel has never looked good. <laughs> like when I think about um, like the mission of a lot of these churches is to spread the gospel and to, you know, win as many souls as possible. Um, the mm -hmm. church that I worked at, the, the the mission statement was to saturate the state with the gospel of Jesus. People are going to Google this and they're going to find the church I worked at, but it's okay. <laughs> You're doxing <laughs> to, people right now. To, yeah. To saturate the state with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their goal was to cover the state that we that we were serving with the gospel. And it's like, what does that look like? And I can't help but imagine the 50s it's like it's gonna look like the 50s you know yeah. if you succeed if we're able to look to make um uh, uh, uh any state in the country um to the level of theocratic of what, exactly you're gonna get mississippi like that's what's gonna happen but that's what and they want carlos that's what <laughs> they want like you have to understand that that is the goal make no mistake and yeah. the thing about it is my interpretation and i know that my interpretation of the bible is not there's so many right how can you say this is the right interpretation but mm -hmm. when i read the life of jesus when i read the gospel he wasn't he was not pushing for conversions. He was not pushing his message to get followers as much as he was pushing the message of peace, right? Mm -hmm. Like pushing the message of unity and peace and harmony. He wasn't trying to convert every single person he met. He was just acting in a way that displayed the characteristics of a guy who would be called God. And that's when I see Christians who are doing that, like not trying to push their beliefs on other people in a pushy way, not trying to change the government to look exactly 
exactly like their interpretation of the Bible, but living the life of Jesus, that's when I'm like, oh, okay, so this is a peaceful religion. Yeah, it's not though. <laughs> well, historically, no, I would say that it's not. I mean, you know, um, one of the things, this is going to sound super reformed, but it's like one of the big concepts I kind of was like circling around was the the whole thing with irresistible grace that you were saying that. Jesus was so, you know, preaching a message that was just so beautiful that there's no way you could resist it, you know? And mm -hmm. I kind of see it where it's like, it, it has to be one of two things. Either, yes, it is resistible. Either that's just false because clearly people have just rejected the, the message. Um, mm -hmm. Or it is irresistible and it's just leading people to be like the, the worst, most colonizing, most violent humans in the history of mankind. It's like yeah. one of these things has to be true. There's a quote. I don't know who it's by, but I really like it. I need to look it up after this. But he says, Christianity sounds like the most amazing, peaceful, beautiful religion on the planet. I'm really looking forward to meeting a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Because I yeah. haven't, right? Like I really haven't met a Christian yet. It's I don't know how it's become this weird toxic thing. This is there's a whole other thing, but I've been doing a lot of research on like how the Bible came to be. And mm -hmm. A lot of these stories are not Jesus. It's like there's some other Messiah type figure or like another story from another another culture, another religion. And this is just sort of like an anthology of all these random stories yeah. merged into a book. Like the global flood, perhaps you can yeah, find like the, the you flood, know, the, the, the story of Moses. Yeah. Yeah. The Moses was like some other like Persian dude or whatever. Yes. Like it's like all these random stories. And they were kind of like passed down from person to person and then canonized into like the book that we read today. Right, right. And like, I don't know if when people say like, what would Jesus react to the, to the modern church if he were to come today or whatever? What, what would he think? It's like, I think it wouldn't be one man. It'd be like 1400 dudes, all these random stories and each of them having like, there's no, I don't think there's a single Jesus. Maybe there there mm. was like a Yeshua. There was like a guy, like a main guy that they kind of based it on. But a lot of the stories were pulled from other um, messianic type. Well, um, you know, exactly. Yeah. So there were a lot of stories at that time of a virgin birth. Like that was a common um, uh, fable or tale that was told in those times. There were also a lot of stories about resurrection and crucifixion. So it is sort of like this composite gospel. Um, and I don't know how much of Jesus's life is true. I don't think he was resurrected, but it was all passed down from oral tradition, right? Over like... Yeah. 30 to 100 years. So it's just, it's the historicity, historicity of the Bible is such an interesting topic. Um, but I wanted to ask again, and now you've had some practice, if you have <laughs> any advice for someone who is in the beginning stages of their deconstruction journey, since I know that you're also sort of in the beginning stages, what would you tell them? Um, I said it before and mm -hmm. I'll say it again <laughs> is give yourself permission. It's um, give yourself permission to take your mind and your spirit and your soul places that I don't think that the Christian church is famous for allowing yourself to go. Mm. Um, as much as Christians want to say that doubts are welcome. I actually don't think it's true. Mm -hmm. I think really living that means do the research, you know, learn the history, do the work, you know, just kind of like explore and have fun. Um, because any of it and all of it can be true and nobody really knows. Yeah. So allowing yourself to go there is something that I personally, you know, I, I just didn't do. It's not something that, that I was used to doing. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a healthy practice. So yeah, it's really give yourself beautiful. permission to, to take your mind wherever you, wherever you think it needs Absolutely. to go. And, and I was mentioning to you earlier, I have a lot of friends who have deconstructed Christianity and 
found themselves back in the church. And I have the utmost respect for that because at least they gave themselves permission to go there, right? Like they yeah. gave themselves permission to explore other ideas, which means that when they chose to go back, it wasn't because they were indoctrinated and it wasn't because it was a fear-based belief. It's because they decided to. And so I think that that's really, really valuable. Um, where can my listeners find you and support you? I know you have a podcast. It's so good. So it's new. I've only got a few episodes up, but um, the socials and the links and all that stuff is all the same place. It's a um, the name of the podcast is Deconstruct Everything, and the website is depod.net. Yes, so, yeah. and I'll put that in the description so you guys can find Carlos. Um, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you. Your podcast is so good. You're going to be so successful at whatever you do, and I've just loved hearing your voice about this stuff. And it's really interesting. You're kind of at the beginning of the journey, but mm -hmm. like you're older than me, so you're kind of like the older brother. <laughs> and it's just it's just fun getting to hear your perspective. Um, I'm certainly not through with my journey, but I think in a way it's lifelong, right? Like mm. I think we will be doing this forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But thanks so Thank much, you. Carlos. Yeah. Thanks for having me and looking forward to being on again. You'll, you'll be on mine eventually. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You guys will probably hear from Carlos again. Um, I definitely want to have him on uh, many, many times, but I hope you guys have an incredible week and take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.